Hi everyone, it's Bart from Daniel's social media team. In today's episode, Dan and Jody talk about some of the non-negotiables when applying for jobs and placements. We hope you enjoy. Today is, um, we're going to talk about non-negotiables, um, especially around interviews and um, yeah, placement type things. And then Dan and I have got a few other things that we want to discuss um, going, going forward. Um, I know that there's some new people on the call actually, so I'm just going to just offer my name's Jody. Um, I am the legal case manager at the ITIA, which is the International Tennis Integrity Agency. Um, and I'm sure everyone knows who Daniel is, but he's a partner at Sheridan's um, sports sports offer in, in London. So yeah, Daniel, we'll just get going. Yeah, the, the thing that we were discussing in the build-up to um, our chat tonight was um, thinking about some of the non-negotiables or things about working, about interviewing, um, about trying to put your best foot forward in lots of different situations. So if it's applying for jobs, if it's going for interviews, if it's what you do once you're in a job, how to uh, maximize the best possibilities for doing well. And you, you, Jody gave me a few interesting um, bits of um, uh, techniques, food for thought, just around some of the feedback that you got when you were actually applying for the role that you're in now. And I think that would just be interesting to share a little bit with the, the group. And then you know, I can offer a few other um, thoughts and ideas from some of my experiences and when I've spoken to other people about their experiences too. Yeah, yeah, no, that's perfect. Thanks, Dan. Um, yeah, basically from um, not necessarily an interview um, point of view, but just from an application from simply replying to emails, whether you speak to a partner or whether you speak to the admin assistant in a law firm or any sport organisation or anywhere, like I think it's really important to treat everyone with, with the same kind of respect um, because a lot of the office and admin staff, you know, that they pass on remarks on how you reply to emails in a way. So if you're rude, like they're going to pass that on to the partners or people that are interviewing you. And that was something that I am um, the office manager and um, the role I'm actually now actually made a point of saying that I was really polite in the um, the emails and correspondence that I had um, when I was replying back when like when they invited me to to interview obviously I replied and said you know thank you very much looking forward to the opportunity x y and z but she said that in some emails that she had sent to some other applicants they made it out to be that she was inconveniencing them by offering them to come to interview and some of the emails that, that, that they had received back were really rude um so I just thought everybody kind of res responded politely and whatnot to normal to, to, to general emails but it seems to be that not everyone does so um, yeah, I would just basically just try and remember that, you know, everyone's human at the end of the day and just to treat everybody with a bit of respect, um, whether it's good news, whether it's bad news um, or, or, or not, I think it's really key just to be polite um, in, your, in your correspondence verbally um, or, um, or otherwise. And that was feedback that I got um, from the role that I'm in just now, which like I said to you, I just didn't think was even something that I needed to, or should even consider. I just, I've always done that, but apparently um, other people can be just a bit rude um, in, in replying to admin staff. So even for that in, in pre-COVID times as well, when you go for interviews, I mean, be polite to the reception staff when you go in the door um, when you're sitting down, you'll make conversation with the receptionist, ask how their day is, like, and just have general conversation because you never know who the partner or the associate or that they, they will often ask the reception staff what that person's like on um you know when they come into the building and how they speak to people so um i would definitely always um 
you know, your, your interview starts as soon as you put your foot through the door. Um, it's not when you go into the actual door to meet the, your interviewers. It's literally when you go into the, the office door. So kind of present yourself in the best possible way from, from the get-go um, would be what I would suggest. But Dan, I'm sure you're going to input here. I think, I, I think there's quite a fundamental point to all of this. Um, now, I, th I think when you, when you say it, when I, when I hear it, Jody. It, it's such an obvious thing um, to almost to almost be like what you know the first reaction to a lot of it is like why are you even saying this is not to put you down at all it's almost the exact opposite it's like I would so expect that everybody that is writing to someone about the possibility of a job would be respectful would be humble would be grateful would be um, hungry would be very careful about how they're articulating stuff how they would put them themselves across. And I was actually fascinated actually by the human condition of the opposite, which is that people wouldn't and didn't necessarily do that, which then got us thinking about actually whether this is quite a usual thing that occurs. And I think just by way of human nature, and you see it all the time, there is obviously, and you see it every day, um, a, a, you know, a status play happening. You, I, I did, I, you know, from particular ways, it's almost like at a disproportionate level, you have to impress the person that holds the most power, control, ability to make decisions, um, uh, and otherwise, because they're the ones that matter in a way. Um, and I think the more I, the more I think about it, there's a very simple truth that I think holds true. Um, uh, which my which my grandpa always told me, which is a universal truth, and sort of tons of people have always said to uh, everyone along the line, which is, you know, treat others as you'd expect um, yourself to be treated, and it's a very very simple maxim that I think works very well. It's the same, you know, it tends to be the same. Whenever I'm coming into the office at Sheridan's, I'll always have a bit of a chat with the security guard leaving or coming in in the morning or generally both about football I know he's a big Arsenal fan which we have a bit of banter about that and all about the various different football games or otherwise that have been on but I think the the important thing to to stress there is is that um if you stay consistent and constant with the approach which is um everyone's a human being as you said everybody has the same types of interests that, that, that actually, by way of mantra, you are more interesting, interested in the other rather than interesting to show yourself as interesting to other people. There's obviously a balance to be had, but I, the more I think about stuff in terms of my relationship building, my ability to um, build connections is actually to think about the other, think about the other person in any sense it's the same as when we talk I'm always really interested Jody, in hearing what's going on with you I'm always interested Bart we've got online as well always interested in the stuff that you're doing and um, always thinking about ways to be able to think about other people I think there is just a narrative which needs to be tweaked a little bit which is yes you've got to think about yourself and your career and how you develop and the things that you can do and all the rest of it but you're you're not in isolation from anybody. You're actually exactly the opposite. You're in a world with everybody. And the great thing that happens is that when you, you flip your mindset a little bit from thinking 
it's all about me. It's all about me. What can I achieve? What can I do? How can I progress? To uh, let's listen to all the different things that other people are doing and hear about all of those opportunities and think about those possibilities. You know, the, the, the output is actually endless and relatively infinite is the truth. And I just had, you know, two or three conversations with people today and bear in mind, it's obviously fantastic just to be around people. And as much as these calls are great, you know, the idea one day is to actually do, do a GG community and actually get together for an afternoon or an evening and just speak to each other and have a beer or a glass of wine and actually just, um, just, just talk normally. But, you know, the, the, my idea and the thing that I think is very important, I'm not, you know, I plagiarize this from tons of people is, you know, it's important to understand the other and the way that you understand the other is by thinking, you know, you, you raise the tide for everybody by doing the things that work for everybody. So it just, your, your point about treating others with a certain respect actually just hit a slightly wider chord, which I was more interested to think about and develop and um, yeah, discuss in a bit more detail, Jodie. Yeah, but I think that what you said, I totally agree with, but I think it's also, as I mentioned before, it's how you approach people on like LinkedIn for networking purposes as well. When you send, you know, a LinkedIn request, um, as what, like, why do you want, why do you want to join that person? I mean, currently just now, I think I've got however many requests I've got in my, um, like request folder and apologies if anyone's on this call that I've not accepted but there's I, I sometimes have a lot and I and I don't actually know why they want to connect so I, I think I've just left them not read because there's, there's no one's mentioned as to why and why they want to connect whereas the ones that do say you know hi Jodie I want to connect because of x y and z I'm more than likely to have a conversation with them because I know they've got a, a common interest into why I actually we want to connect I just won't accept someone for the sake of you know just accepting and when, and when I um, was networking you know 12 18 months or so ago every network request that I put to somebody I always sent that message that says you know how and when you click um add friend or whatever it is on LinkedIn you can um, add a message or whatever I literally wrote every, and every single request I sent I wrote a um I wrote a reason why I want to connect with that person and whether they did great whether they didn't okay that was fine but that was that was a bit that was in, in my control I could control that option was there for me to, to write something. If I didn't write anything, okay. But if I wanted to connect with somebody, I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that they knew why I wanted to connect, whether it be an article that I read, whether that was a common interest that we had, whether I, I knew somebody that they knew, whether whether they worked with somebody, just so they can, you know, flag up as to why they wanted to, to, to connect. And I, I, it takes a minute or two minutes to do, you know, to do that. I think it's just, that's a vital one or two minutes that you could, you could use that could benefit you rather than not, saying at all like, anything and then just leaving like in my case people are being left unread or unaccepted just now because I don't actually know why they want to like why they want to connect with me so um yeah. I think on you go. Yeah, I, Graham just I might just come to you in a second if that's all right because I just want something that you know I, we really appreciate your input from a couple of sessions ago and um one of the things that 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 brings up is quite an interesting point about um, like for me, for example, whenever I get a LinkedIn request, generally, unless I can see it's a very, very salesy bio from somebody that looks like they're going to sell me life insurance or um, <laughs> some type of financial product or um, mentoring or something along those type of lines, I will tend to accept people um, and then see if there's anything that they follow up with. I was just thinking, Graham, from your perspective, for example, 
whenever you're trying to build relationships or start relationships on LinkedIn or any other medium on email or otherwise, do you have a particular mindset that you'll of how you'll approach that person and how to find the best way of connecting with them? Yeah, I think so. I think it starts with a kind of a mutual understanding of well, you start on a base level of how it comes back to the point you were talking about originally when you're applying for jobs or whatever it is, and the basic point is the person that's hiring you. It originally just wants to get on with somebody else that, that that comes at the core of it so when it comes to networking it's exactly the same thing it can you get on with this person is there a shared interest in this person that might then flourish into some sort of business relationship good great if not you're making a connection with somebody that down the line might come to something but if if it doesn't it's still a shared interest. You've had a valuable conversation. You've spoken about something that you're interested in because that's the reason why we're in these jobs that we're in because we enjoy um, sports law or we enjoy law or we enjoy whatever it is that we are connecting with that person on, on that level. We want to speak to them about it and engage and, and potentially learn something from that person. And I think that's where it's the human element, as you say, Daniel and Jody, it's the human element of connecting with somebody. And if it carries on and it flourishes on, or as you say, Jodie, if the LinkedIn request doesn't go anywhere, then so be it. But yeah. um, at least if it does, you've started on the right footing of you've got a, a relationship with somebody that, that starts from a mutual appreciation of what each other does and what each other's interested in. I, I think that's right. Really and actually, for an example, like for, for Dan and I, when I first reached out to Dan, I think it must have been about... 2014 maybe 13 something seven or eight years ago and that was just when I was at university and I just wanted a general you know advice on something and then Dan and I didn't really speak for maybe three four years maybe something like that and then when we eventually did speak again like we kind of remembered our conversation that we'd had previously but because we had such a good connection that first time in a way um Dan I think and I were, were, were more accepting to kind of reach out to each other because we knew that it would be reciprocated so it wasn't like a cold um you know problem and I didn't have any difficulties at the outset and I think had I had that I, I probably wouldn't have reached out and um, but because we're both um you know uh, like we were both happy to speak to each other all those years ago when I did reach out you know four or five years later it was absolutely fine to do so and and yeah we, we've um been great ever since would you would you agree Dan? I wouldn't say great, but you know. I mean, I, see, I would say awesome, to be honest. I would say fantastic, but I don't know. I was just being polite. <laughs> Only joking. Um, completely agree. The, the truth is, is that a lot of the time I'll get lots of, there'll, there'll always be people that, um, you know, approach and ask particular questions on stuff. And that's in a way the, the whole reason why we're doing things like this. It's for, you know, people that want to join the calls. It's for people that want to listen to stuff afterwards as well that we put online and to have that sort of accessibility to ask questions of particular things. So I, I completely agree. It's trying to find like-minded people or just try and help people become like-minded people um, is maybe something to, um, to, to think about. And there's loads of people out there that, that sort of um, that feel the same way. So, you know, the same as what Graham said, I'd be really interested in, in other views. Um, Bart, if you don't mind, I'm gonna put you on the spot just very briefly, if that's okay. Um, only because um, Bart, one, some of the people on the call might not know, but I've, I've known Bart for a couple of years now, and Bart is the mastermind behind a lot of my um, content, um, editing, strategy, 
um, all of the little clips, podcasts, and anything digital that I that I put up. Um, you, you emailed me best part of two years ago, Bart, just to see how you could help and get involved with stuff more generally. Um, now that we're sort of a bit further on in our in our relationship, you know, ha has there been ways that that's actually helped you in particular instances or have you found building relationships easier because you started off obviously you work with Gary Vaynerchuk as well which is fantastic as well and then to a lesser extent you know me as well which is fantastic um how did you go about thinking about who you wanted to connect with what you had to offer and then you know the relationships that then you you built as a result yeah sure uh, so I always start with trying to bring value to the person that I want to connect with so like with you i wanted to bring you value which in turn i think brought me more value from you than i actually brought to you and i think it's creating opportunities uh, from working with other people and whether it's bringing them value in you know making social media content or writing something for them i think you know connecting with like-minded people is really important to to expand and when you say ha, uh, connecting with like-minded people then how are, are you actually doing some research did you do some research into me <laughs> how are you actually then um you know working out how that you who you want to connect with the relationships you want to build etc yeah so i usually trying to find something that we've got in common so like with you you're a lawyer, I'm a law student, you like football, I like football. Uh, so I'm trying to make connect. Uh, I'm trying to connect something that we both might have in common and then trying to bring value to you in, in some way around that. Yeah. No, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. I Sorry, totally agree with that. Yeah, I totally agree with that as well. And um, I mean, how I've kind of explained it, I mean, not, maybe not so much on, on this call, but I came from um, sort of a litigation background, you know, and I, want, I really wanted to then move into sports or the sports sector, which is, as I often tell people who are not, who are not on legal, it's like being a doctor and specialising in cardiology and then wanting to go to neurology. So it's the exact same, it's the same um, like sector, just a different feel of that sector. So sometimes it's really difficult to, to you know, cross bridges. And then what I then had to do is I then researched into the people that I wanted, or to be honest, at the start, I didn't even know who was in the sports field. I didn't know who I could reach out to. I had absolutely no idea. Um, and at that point, lawn sport was one of the big ones that kind of flagged up. And I think Sean Cottrell had a few articles about 10 top tips to be a sports lawyer or something like that that I'd read. And then Dan, I think, had another article or something that I'd read on, off the back of that. So it was like a domino effect. And then I realised, actually, this um, seems to be quite a male-dominated sector. I wonder if there's any females in this sector. Um, and then that's when I, I reached out and Graham knows her, um, and so does Dan, um, to a sports lawyer called Laura McCallum, which is the legal counsel at Dundee United um, Football Club now, but she used to be at Harper McLeod in Glasgow. And I reached out to her um, because I thought, oh my goodness, in such a male-dominated world, 
there's this woman who has had so much like amazing success this would be fantastic and I reached out to her on LinkedIn I think and Twitter um, and then we had a few conversations and then I had a call with her and then I met her at an event and we've been for coffee and such like that since then so a lot of things can happen purely on the basis of a your research b reaching out to somebody to say why you're interested and then if they're free they know they have the time to spend with you and so Laura gave me a call I spoke to her for, for a while and then we met up at a, a conference I think it was like January two years ago I think or so and then we've stayed in touch ever since um, and um, it's just great to build relationships like that but ultimately these people aren't going to come to reach you know to come and find you you have to find them and that's how it should be I mean everyone's so busy um, you know in, in their lives as it is but if you want to do something you'll make time to find out what it is that you want to do who it is that you can contact and yeah it takes time and not everyone will reply of course not everyone will reply but that's how um that's kind of how I kind of got you know I, that's how I reached out to people and then eventually from that and then Laura then recommended somebody else I would reach out to and it's like a domino effect so once you speak to one person they then may open up doors to somebody else and somebody else and and then from that I, I managed to speak to, to a lot of people um but yeah there's certainly all positives of um of networking as long as you spend time and the effort to to research as to why you want to speak to a particular person no, I completely agree, Josie. And I'd really encourage, you know, we've got a little bit more time to be able to, for people to be able to ask questions on anything we've talked about. Literally, this is just an open forum to, to discuss. We've got some new people on, which is great as well, and some familiar faces as well, which is awesome. You know, I think the, the idea that I and myself and Josie and others will try and will try to emphasize is this is just a forum to ask questions, to ask things about you know, career development, building relationships, and um, building a knowledge base, working out the sort of career paths, um, thinking about those soft skills, um, working how to working out how to network in different ways. And to be fair, a lot of the conversations we've had, Jody, in the past on the previous set um, on the previous sessions as well have been around particular um, hot topics in the the sports and entertainment um, space more generally. So. You know, as, as anybody has, if they want to put it in the chat, if they literally just want to unmute themselves and ask particular questions, you know, the idea hopefully is to be able to um, uh, ask something, anything that you're interested in, in talking through. And um, Jody, in the meantime, while anybody puts their thinking caps on, if there's particular things that anyone wants to um, reach out and talk about, you were um, mentioning in our prep about a couple of quotes that you had, um, uh, that you had read and seen and um want to plagiarize so uh yeah i totally yeah, I thought I it get might be... my phone so i can so i can tell me exactly have, what I, have they... I given you enough time to be able to find it most yeah yeah no, i've got it on my phone <laughs> it's fine um there was two actually there was one that guy neville had um just tweeted out i saw on twitter like a couple of days ago and he was in a quick q a and i think I, I, somebody had asked him you know what's the best advice sir alex ferguson had had given you and his reply was um, you have a choice every day work hard and never give in or don't the choice is up to you and I, I totally agree with that and then shortly after that I then saw um, another quote on another, another social media platform and it was by a guy called James Clear um, and I would really recommend signing up to his newsletter um, you get like these um, a, a weekly newsletter and Dan was the one that recommended this one to, to, to me and his quote was um, one push-up is better than not exercising. One minute of guitar practice is better than none at all. 
one minute of reading a book is better than sorry one minute of reading is better than never picking up a book and it's better to do less than you'd hoped than to do nothing at all and Dan and I were saying in the, in the call at the start like I think a lot of people come into things expecting to get on a hundred percent immediately and that's whilst that's realistic for, for for some people it's not for everyone and I think doing one percent of something is better than doing zero percent um I, so I think that it's it's so important to I mean let's like going for a 5k run I mean I certainly can't just put on my run entries and go out for a 5k run if I can run 100 meters I'll be thinking I've won a gold medal so there's no point everyone's you know levels of success are, are different but I think to do something is better than nothing so you can and you can relate that to anything you know in life whether it's been networking or say I'll reach out to five people today rather than the unexpected of say 25 people a day or, or I can't do something like I can't do that just do something is rather than nothing at all like reading one page or going out for a walk for five minutes rather than half an hour or just something some all something is always better than than nothing and I think you can um you know you can use that for every means in in, in life um, but Dan I think you had one as well did you not have the one that yeah you had? um it was it was um uh, Paul McCartney's daughter, Stella McCartney, is obviously a famous um, um, fashionista and designer and, um, you know, all-round influencer. And she, she said, every small step that you take is better than no action at all. And, um, yeah, without this turning into a motivational session um, <laughs> too much. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the thing that struck me about what you've said, and if I just say one thing beforehand in terms of James Clear, James Clear um, has written a book called um, Atomic Habits. Um, and it's one of my favorite books. Um, I read it about four or five months ago. So he has a newsletter that he sends out every week as well with some pretty motivational quotes as well, which I really do, I really, I really enjoy. And I, I, I sometimes post on my various social channels, whatever else it might be. But the thing that he advocates a lot um, and which actually, um, Jody, you is the common theme of both of those quotes from Neville and James Clear, I think, is um, consistency. Um, and it's, I think, one of the most massively underplayed character traits anybody can have. Um, it is boring, it is mundane. It is um, regimented um, in terms of the negative connotations of it, but the positive connotations of consistency are the main thing takeaway that James Clear makes from his book, which is compounding. Yeah. The power of compounding things day after day after day. Yeah. And almost that, you know, picking up the guitar, picking up the book one day and then doing it the second day and doing it the third day and doing it the fourth day. Um, and, and that idea of consistency and application over time um, is massive. It's the same that yeah. Matthew Syed writes about in, in Bounce and the 10,000 hour rules that, that everyone's talked about in Outliers and different um, uh, books as well. But the, the best manifestation um, of consistency, and again, what we, when we talk about consistency, it doesn't matter what the, the topic is in a way. It's like, okay, I want to get better at knowing more stuff about a particular industry or I want to exercise more or I want to try and build my network a bit stronger by investing 20 minutes every day into connecting with more people online or otherwise. But the consistency message 
um, is the one that usually compounds well and in the long term leads to disproportionate benefits. Yeah. Because like we've talked about previously, everybody sees the output, the outcome, um, the being at the top of the mountain. Everybody loves to live at the top of the mountain. Well, the truth is, is that everybody usually actually loves the process of climbing to the top of the mountain more rather than, than seeing the, the output. And I, I think, it, I, I think um, it's Angela Duckworth in another book that I love and I recommend to a lot of people called um, Grit, which I, which I really enjoy. And Angela Duckworth did a brilliant TED talk as well that I really recommend to people. Um, but in her book, Grit, she talks about how gritty people, which is people that don't give up that much um, or that easily, that keep persevering even when things aren't necessarily going brilliantly, um, that have the, um, the, the, the learned strength of character to, to keep on going. She has this phrase, which I really love, which every time I speak to many athletes, I'm lucky enough to speak to lots of clients and athletes and people in the talent business and people more generally, um, it, this phrase really resonates with them, which is called, uh, which she calls um, the mundanity of excellence. And what, what that basically means in my mind, the mundanity of excellence is um, the boring process that you have to constantly do for a long period of time to actually get to the point where people think you are potentially an expert or a would-be expert in a particular topic. And I think, you know, there's all of this culture around, you know, instant success and instant failure or instant um, uh, fame or fortune or whatever else it might be. It doesn't happen. But the truth generally, the truth generally being is it's that mundanity of excellence. It's the, the day after day after day after day. And I can relate to that in so many ways because I don't want people thinking on this call that I have been, you know, this most successful lawyer or whatever for so many years because I, the job I'm in just now, I've only been there for eight weeks, nine weeks now. And um, talking or just listening to what Dan was saying, prior to lockdown last year, I um, I wasn't, I didn't have a job this time last year. This time last year. So I literally before um covid happened and um, there was potential job potential opportunity on on the horizon and then because um of covid recruitment was 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 paused understandably and then in that element i then thought oh my goodness what am i actually going to do for the next year what can i possibly do i thought that no one's going to be hiring what what am i going to be what am i going to do and i always wanted to do sports law in a way and i thought well you know what i'm actually going to take this into my control and i'm going to do what i can so I treated every day like it was a work day, you know, work nine to five, doing whatever. And that could be trying to find as many webinars to attend, trying to find as many conferences. And with everything now being on um, Zoom and online, you could I could attend so much more than I normally would ever be able to do because it was all online. Um, you know, everything was free, didn't have to pay for anything to go like to go anywhere. And when I was networking as well, a lot of people were able to speak to me because they weren't having to commute. They weren't, they weren't out for dinner at night. They weren't at a show. They weren't at a concert. They weren't anywhere because no, nowhere could, nobody could go anywhere. So I used that to my advantage. And I mean, COVID, of course, has not been a good thing for, it, for anyone. But I had to use it to my advantage because I thought I'm going to have to do something. So when Dan's talking about the mundane tasks, there was months, literally 50 months or so, when I was doing the same things day in, day out, networking, you know, projections, um, emails, you know, cover letters, applications. Honestly, this took hours and hours and hours. I have a spreadsheet of the, uh, the uh, many people I've contacted over the past kind of 
15 months or so and it probably is about 50 to 100 of just the people that I reached out to on LinkedIn the ones that replied the ones that I had a virtual coffee with the ones that I had a call with the ones that I could meet up when I could and some didn't reply and some did but I made myself do these things every single day Monday to Friday just to kind of get into the routine of getting this and doing this and then the job that came along um, just now I, I, I applied for it and I think certainly the work that I did in the past year and the past six months certainly helped and showed my all the things that you need you know ambition perseverance resilience all that kind of thing like that 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 probably helped me but there was definitely a time when I thought you know last year or 50 months ago when this is impossible how am I ever going to get you know around this and I know many people on, on this call may be feeling similar if they're students if they're graduates if they're trying to you know go from one um, law sector to another so it, it can happen but I just wanted to say that I didn't want to I hope it wasn't coming across that we were just saying everyone gets these things easily because I can absolutely testify that this didn't does, did not come to either Dan or I um, easily and there was a lot of hard work and perseverance in the background that not everyone sees and I think that was one of the reasons Dan and I wanted to set up this community is because we each have our own personal experience of rejection of working hard when no one else thought that you could do it you know you have to believe in yourself enough to keep going and there's so many times and people have been said to me you know why are you doing this why are you doing this why don't you just go back to civil litigation you were good at it blah 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 but I didn't want to and life's too short not to do for what you want to do so I just went for it and eventually the, the job paid off but it was certainly a long a long road. I mean, Dan will testify because I spoke to him multiple times over the past year and he's been a really good support support for me. Um, but um, yeah, it, it was a tough road. One thing I would uh, maybe is for our next um, DG community um, discussion point is probably around rejection and uh, bounce back ability and uh, those types of fixed and growth mindsets that we've talked about quite a lot ourselves. That I think that might be a uh, the topic for the next discussion but i see jody we've got a couple of questions in the uh the box and if i just ask everybody else as well you know feel free just to chime in with any comments ask questions put stuff put your hand up ask yeah, some questions liam i see you've got a question do you if you want to unmute yourself and ask it that would be great hi can you hear me okay yeah yeah Thanks. No, I was just I was just wanted to ask, obviously, there was a, a lot of media clamor last week from like Gary Neville sending out um, a petition for people to sign, etc. And all the kind of fallout from the Super League stuff was talking about maybe the need for like an independent regulator in football. Um, I remember, Dan, obviously you saying in the past how financial fair play was kind of a thing that came along and you sort of fixated on it and wanted to be the expert on it. And that was kind of like a really kind of new thing you could get your teeth into. And I sort of see if we went in that direction with an independent regulator, because it would be new, it could kind of be like that sort of topic. So I have been sort of looking into it a bit, but I was just kind of wondering from your perspective, who you thought would be kind of the winners and losers from it and whether it was kind of actually a viable option or more of just a nice idea. No, great question, Liam, and thanks for thanks for that. Um, I actually did a Dan and Omar show uh, podcast, which I think um, I think we're going to try and post it a bit later on, which is actually talking specifically about um, the the viability. Maybe did it last year. I'm trying to remember now. Um, on yeah, the viability of um, an independent football regulator. Um, I think the actual more important question, um, as you sort of articulated uh, halfway through the question was, yeah, can, can you and or others start thinking about how to become um, people that can give valued opinion on 
those type of questions, um, you know, those subject matters that crop up if it's financial fair play or if it's NFTs or if it's an independent regulator or if it's how transfers work. And that's just obviously a few specific siloed points in, um, in football. I think substantively, um, at the moment, what, what Neville mentioned um, is, the truth is, I don't think he's articulated as yet, I could be wrong unless I've not seen the, the substantive document, why an independent regulator is needed. Um, he's talked in the past about how um, the football stakeholders, if it's the Premier League, um, it's, if it's the EFL, the FA, UEFA and others, um, sort of can't get the houses in order, mainly around distribution of monies. So that's a lot of the thing that we're, we're talking about, really. Um, and if it's to do with two things, the distribution of monies and cost controls, then to a degree, um, you know, the cost control provisions by UEFA or by the Premier League or by the EFL have, have worked to varying degrees of success, query, you know, the enforcement of particular decisions at the EFL, Premier League and, and UEFA. If we're talking about how money should be distributed, I'm not necessarily sure you know, a regulator is needed specifically just for that task in a, to a degree that, that could be and has been in the past, as you may have seen, sort of government intervention into the, the, the UK retender for broadcasters for Amazon, Sky and BT, in that the government look minded to grant an exemption under the Competition Act in order then to be able to, for the Premier League to provide more solidarity monies to the EFL and the, the, the pyramid. So I think the question to be asked, and I'm sorry I've gone about it in a long-winded way, is not necessarily is an independent regulator needed, but why is an independent regulator um, needed? Because a lot of the tasks are fulfilled by the various stakeholders at the moment. The question is whether there is too much self-interest, and everybody ultimately is self-interested to a degree, in being able to provide a cohesive roadmap um, to understand how, I guess, funds are distributed and how costs are reined in. But I think so long as those types of issues can be solved, probably alongside the owners and directors test and issues around ongoing governance of football clubs and, and financial stability, they seem to be the, the bigger issues that, um, that will probably come into the mix once all of those debates you know, begin, I think. Yeah, he, he just asked him, he's a um, sports agent and, and not from what law. Um, so what books or articles um, to read for um, player contracts would you recommend? Well, there's a very good book called Dundale that um, I hear is, um, is pretty good to, um, yeah. But yeah, the, the things that I would, the, the um, articles and books that I'd say is that there's, there's a very, very good um, book called Football and the Law, which is edited by a, a really renowned QC uh, called Nick DeMarco. Um, and that is probably, I think, one of the most, uh, the, the, the strongest textbooks, legal textbooks in the industry on all football related matters. And there's a lot, a lot of detail in there about uh, transfers, contracts, employment contracts, different types of football related matters as well. And I, I co-wrote the European law um, chapter um, in that book over Christmas and holiday time, which Holly was not very impressed with me at, but that's a, that's a different story. Um, so that, that book, Football and Law, is brilliant. Um, it's, it's literally filled with football and sports law experts writing about their specific fields. 
um, and it's a really, really important read. Um, the other is there is a, a seminal, um, uh, you know, Bible really called Sport and the Law, which is drafted by two, um, you know, of the um, of the best lawyers um, in the space that have been around for a lot longer than I have, and and that is really the, you know, a very thick, uh, detailed, um, you know, no holds barred, comprehensive view of sports law, you know, possibly European and globe from a global perspective as well, depending on the types of regulations. Um, but they're pretty, both pretty dense books. The other side is obviously there are books like mine and Dundeal. There's another great book called The Price of Football, um, which is more from a financial perspective. And then there's other books like Soconomics and other, and other ones. But there's another book called um, Football Leaks, which you get, I'm sure a lot of people would have heard of, which was all the, the, the leaks of particular contracts and, um, uh, and, and behaviours of football clubs and stakeholders in the, in the space. That's actually a very interesting read as well, just to understand a little bit more about all of the, the detail of what's going on. So, yeah, hopefully that's quite a, a good um, mix. The other thing, very briefly, is um, I, I would really recommend the, the website, and I would do it quite regularly. You've mentioned it, Jody, before, Law and Sport. Um, they're actually in the middle now of the fo their football law conference that I really recommend. I've been listening in on a number of days to that. And I think there are still sort of still student discounts and discounts available for the few more days of that. Um, and then obviously on the um, on, on the content side, they have a whole section on football law related topics. And there's tons of really interesting stuff um, on that as well that I would yeah highly recommend to. The other thing that would be useful to find out from people, and again, it doesn't necessarily need to be now for the call, it can be in the, 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 the LinkedIn group as well, is just thinking about topics that people are interested in hearing more about as well. It might be substantive industry stuff across sport or entertainment. It might be more developmental skills stuff around like things like failure, rejection, applying, resilience, you know, mindsets, that type of stuff. And um, I think it's important a lot of the time just to sometimes be thinking about those type of issues because, you know, especially from my type of our type of structured career, which is you know, you do an undergrad degree in law, then you do law school and then you get a training contract and then you expect it to be a very good lawyer. And, you know, sort of every step is quite regimented when actually life generally um, is far from that um, in truth. And so the whole idea of community, of us chatting, us trying to demystify that actually um, there's always bumps in the road, um, but there's always really interesting practices, processes, things that you put in place, other people there to be able to help when things get tough or to share experiences. And that's almost the, the point where we don't really want a, a sort of glossy, everything's perfect. Um, we definitely don't want that everything's um, messy and there's a lot of trouble, but usually it's somewhere probably um, in the middle of all of that. And that's why hopefully things like this will be of uh, yeah, value to people. I think it's things that I, this is like a, a thing that I wish I'd had when I was at uni or at, um, you know, struggling, not well, last year or the year before or whatever, just like a community where you could 
re reach out, ask questions, you know, no one's judging you because people have been in similar situations and if people don't feel confident enough to, 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 to say anything, that's also absolutely fine. But if anyone wants, you know, to drop me a message afterwards on LinkedIn or whatever, I promise I will accept your request, even if you don't um, put something in, in, in the box, it's not, not an issue, but I'm more than happy to, to give time. Um, and Dan, I don't want obviously this to be like an hour of motivational speaking either, but it's a bit of a full circle thing for me because now I have people reaching out to me asking for advice when actually you know 12 to two years ago it was me asking Dan or or anybody else for advice so it's really weird for me to have people asking the questions that I was asking a couple of years ago but anyone can be in that situation and the fact that a lot of people gave me time when I asked for it I am always happy to give time to anyone who asks for it because I know I know what it's like to be in that situation where you just want a reply or you just want half an hour of someone's time so I'm always more than happy to do that and whether that be on this call or um you know separately we, we, if anyone wants to arrange a call or, or whatnot please just let me know on on LinkedIn and I, I can make time make always make time for that. Oop. That was really good, Jody. Well, I think I think we're more or less there then, if that's the case, which is great. And um, yeah, firstly, thanks everyone for joining. Um, I, all I would ask is, yeah, please feel free to recommend this if you actually think it's any good to other people to either join the community, to ask questions, to post things in the chat. So, you know, part of the idea of this is to actually network with each other and understand what each of us are doing um, in lots of ways. There's lots of really talented people in this, in even in this chat. Never mind in the over 200 people that are in the community, I think, as well. Um, and you've got to sometimes use that as the first uh, step to be able to connect to people. So, yeah, I'm really enthusiastic about hopefully trying to keep these sessions going for as much as we can, um, even though Man United is on soon. Um, and, um, yeah, and just and just generally find um, interesting areas to talk about. But I think next time, Jody, subject to what you think and anybody else thinking about, I think the whole um, rejection and um, and uh how to how to try and do better and think about things that you yeah i'm do. I'm more than happy to do that and i think it's helpful to have you know often the whole the whole um call based on that but i think having you know a third or a proportion of time every call just talk about you know soft skills or rejection or failure or whatever is helpful and then we can kind of move on to although failure is i always think failure it is negative at the time it seems negative but actually it's a positive because you know it pull, it makes you do something better the next time so there's always good things that come out of it and i'm such an optimist because i feel like you have to be in in life at times um but i think it's good to um discuss elements of that and then there's always loads of things going on in the world of sport and entertainment anyway throughout the month so we often um talk about and touch on different topics as well but i know Dan was saying, and I've written it down, that um, you've got uh, one of your clients coming on the call next month, and it is um, a guy called Nick Robertson, who is a sport agent. Um, I don't know if you want to talk a bit about that. Yeah, just very briefly. So, yeah, the idea is, um, I might not be every month, but what I want to try and do is introduce really interesting clients to the, the community as well, really, and you to ask them particular questions for Joe and I to do a bit of a Q&A as well, and to touch on lots of different areas of their business, of their motivation, of stuff that hasn't gone as well, and the, the interesting industry things that they're doing. Um, most of them are entrepreneurs um, and they're uh, put themselves out there in lots of different ways and have to deal with, you know, athletes, entertainers, people generally in the, the sports and entertainment space. So yeah, Nick's happy to join um, for, for an hour's chat and hopefully that'll be a good opportunity for everyone to connect with him and to ask questions and to, um, yeah, hear more about his journey too.
yeah that sounds great and before I go I just had a thought um there about uh, actually a podcast that I had listened to recently and kind of actually it's all sports related but it's like it's called high performance by a guy called Jake Humphrey and I sometimes just listen to that if I'm going for a walk or whenever and the the client or the people that he has had on there is absolutely fantastic and um, you know from all Gunnar Solskjaer to I mean there's loads of people from different sports football cricket you know and women's sports as well there's so many people um on there that there's about i don't know 30 40 50 people that you could pick from and it's so motivational like and he always ends up with him what's your one negotiable that you or one non-negotiable or three non-negotiables that you would you know advice to anybody and um that's another thing I did when I was um writing things and like I have like a note on my phone and every time I listen to these three non-negotiables I have written down every single person's that I've got that I've listened to I so I must have about 20 25 and I so I now have like I have many 75 notes of on and one note of just the three points that everyone mentioned and I just sometimes think that gives you a bit of a boost and a bit of a you know okay we can do this and that's 45 minutes out of your day but you can do it when you go out for a run or out for a walk or or whenever and I always wrote down like the main points that I took away from the podcast just because that's something that I, I tend to do I don't know if I'm Jody, so your challenge then over the next few months if that's okay and weeks is maybe every few days just to write down each person's non three non-negotiables and put it in the the group Dad, like, when are we going to have time to do that no i'm, I'm kidding I'm, I'm already ahead because i've already got like you know 15 or 20 or how many Perfect. it's um yeah it, it's really good so i would really recommend um doing that because it isn't all positive either there's a lot of failures that people have a lot of money people have lost a lot of things um you know it, that, that you don't probably get to hear usually so um yeah, it's a really good podcast to to listen to but um, yeah, if anyone has any other podcasts or articles or books, like feel free to put them in the community as well. It's, it's a good source um, for us to, to see if you just put your recommendations in. Um, I'm always open to many recommendations, so feel free to just put anything in uh, the chat. And those on the call, if you've not joined the community, it's, um, yeah, it's on our pages, I think, Dan. If not, I can share a link. I'll share another link so you can accept and we can accept you into the community um, as well. Anyone is welcome. So yeah, feel free to do that. The next um, session is on the, the 30th of June, Wednesday the 30th of June, but I'll circulate um, an email as I always would do and, we'll, and I'll put the Zoom links and the um, whatnot in the, 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 the community chat as well. So yeah, but if anyone's got any questions or topics they want to discuss in particular, or if they just want to reach out to either Dan and I, please feel free to do so. Um, we're always happy to hear from, from anyone. Um, so yeah, please do that. And thank you so much for um, attending this, well, this evening afternoon Thanks, morning Jody. wherever you are in the world thanks everybody thank you thanks for listening you can follow me on twitter tiktok and instagram at football law read my blogs and listen to my previous podcasts via my website danielg.com forward slash blogs please do subscribe to the dundeal football podcast like share and tag me if you like the content if not my voice You'll probably also like my book, Done Deal, an insider's guide to football contracts, multi-million pound transfers, and Premier League big business. A bit of a mouthful. It's available to buy in hard copy, digitally, and via Audible. All links are in the podcast show notes. Lastly, the podcast is powered by 13, which is a fashion brand I've started. All proceeds go towards cancer charity research, and particularly the stellar work done by John Krell, who has helped my mum through some difficult times over the last few years. You can take a look at the merch and hopefully buy a t-shirt, hoodie, cap, or all three. Please do spread the word 
or go to 13shop.co.uk. That's 13shop.co.uk. Thanks for listening.